Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's nice to be back in the studio chair today. Hope your weekend went well. Hope you got some projects done and had some relaxation, keeping six feet away when you're out in public. It's always uh, a smart thing to do for now. And hopefully we'll get back to uh, something more, uh, you know, normal feeling. You know, I, I never liked the idea of the new normal. I mean, to me, it's always just life. You know, people say, well, you're going to have a new normal. I go, nah, it's just called life. <laughs> it's just what happens. All right. It's going to be a great show today. Patrick Alban is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then Dawson Muska will be coming on the program as well. It's going to be a great, great show. George Barnett coming up in the second hour as well. It's going to be a, a really a wonderful show. I was reading Psalm 50 this morning, and it says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. This is a God who knows everything. And he knows your situation, knows what you're concerned about today, and he will help you with it. He will deliver you, and uh, you can trust that. So I'm going to take a little break, then bring on Patrick. If you're new to Faith Radio, welcome. We're a media ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and connecting faith to life is our focus each and every day, bringing you relevant Bible preaching, family-focused teaching, and compelling conversations to encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. Fresh content and show podcasts are available every single day online at our website, and you can get a schedule of our programs or request a free welcome packet by going to our website at myfaithradio.com. Meeting you at the intersection of faith and life every day. Anyone who tries to get Jesus to fulfill my agenda ends up abandoning Jesus. The only way to be a disciple of Jesus is that he is Lord and I become a follower of him. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. And of course, that walk-up music belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious city of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Just got back from the uh, grocery store. And? You know, I I don't know if you've noticed this, but do you have the one-way aisles in your grocery store? No, not we yet. We have the one-way aisles now, and and so you can only go the one way, and I don't think you're allowed to pass. And I have discovered that the same people that drive 15 miles an hour in the 30-mile-an-hour zone have now occupied the <laughs> one-way lanes in the grocery store. Like, I, I want to go. Can I go past? Can I pass? May I pass, please? So I don't know what the new rules are. It's always uh, trying to figure out what the new rules. That's why I like the old rules, because those never change. That's true. That's true. How are the huddled masses doing in your home? 
we are huddling. I, I you know, I'm handling it. I, I gotta, I'm just going to toot my own horn here. I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> no, why is that? Partly, well, I, I think that this resembles my normal life anyways, <laughs> sitting around the house a lot. No, uh, no, I think it's, uh, like yesterday was, uh, of course we had a beautiful, uh, day of weather here. And I said, don't look, it, it was a Sunday. I said, look at this as a normal Sunday. What would you do on a normal Sunday? Well, on a normal Sunday, you would uh, maybe go to church, but you could watch it online. And since we had gotten into the practice of doing that sometimes anyway, it wasn't like it was an unusual thing to do. And I said, what else do you do on Sunday? Do you go places? No, you don't go places. Maybe you you, you dink around in the garden a little bit and mm-hmm. you plant some seeds and you maybe you cut the grass and you barbecue. And so I said, let's treat today as if this whole quarantine thing doesn't exist. Let's just look at it like it's a Sunday. Yeah. We have nowhere to go today. Today is a day of rest. So it, we'll start fresh tomorrow with being all freaked out. But <laughs> as far as today is concerned, it's a Sunday. And you know what? It worked beautifully. Oh, good. I like that. You're smarter than the average bear. Uh, barely, yes. Yeah. I do keep my picnic basket seven feet above the vehicle. You're uh, smart to do that. Retreat, yes. <laughs> so reasonable restrictions, of course, you know, would be uh, wear a mask in public if you're if you want to do that. Of course, uh, stay at home if you're sick or or at risk, and then uh, of course do the social distancing in public and wash your hands. And restrictions that don't seem quite so smart is you can't go fishing. That's a puzzler, isn't it? It's a little well, bit of a puzzler, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I mean, fishermen, one of the reasons why I'd like to go fishing is to have social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you're talking about my brother-in-law, he wants to be out on his boat alone. Yeah. Uh, and it, it isn't, you know, it's, he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't like people. He likes that alone time. And I mean, gosh, he has a, there's a, we go out with him sometimes on this thing and you have to put up these orange flags. I think if you're coming within, I don't know, it seems like a mile, a nautical mile of somebody else so that they see your orange flag in case they're not paying attention. I can't imagine a better place of social distancing, mm. but uh, yeah, that's, it, a, that's a puzzler. Yeah. It gets hard to, to figure out what, what seems reasonable and what seems unreasonable. So you can go to Home Depot and, and buy wood but maybe not go to a flower store and buy a flower. Or a, a seed. Or a seed, yeah. That, yeah, you, it's, it's like, well, what was going to happen when I planted these cucumbers? Uh, now, I saw the governor of Michigan who was defending that decision saying, well, look, you know, <laughs> the weather hasn't been that great for planting anyway. But, uh, you know, two things. First off, weather changes. And uh, especially the other day, we had three inches of snow on the ground and then it was 50 degrees a couple hours later. I, I, the before and after pictures, I could have had the snow blower out in the morning, <laughs> uh-huh. in the afternoon, all in the same day. But uh, we start our seedlings inside. Oh. So uh, yeah, what I like, well, I like to plant zinnias. It's a, a flower that I happen to like to plant a bunch of. And uh I tend to start them in April and I get the little planters and I don't put them out until Mother's Day. That's the magic day mm-hmm. for your garden listeners. Yeah, it's just, it's always interesting to me what is available and what's unavailable. You know, you can, there's a lot of people that need to go see uh, their their doctor for things they need done um, or things they need to get checked out. There's certainly people that um, would like to go to the dentist and get their teeth cleaned or cavity drilled. 
So it's yeah. interesting what, what you can do and what you can't do. I tell you, there's an interesting article written by a, a, a dog and a cat, and the dog said, why not work from home forever? <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog. <laughs> That's your dog. And the cat's article says America needs to get back to work. Yes, they do. So you see, we're always going to be like cats and dogs. Is what <laughs> well, <you're yeah>. In this country. It's true. I think of my friends with cats are like, the cat wants me gone. <laughs> you know, my dog, the, the, the kennel is gathering dust because we have we haven't left the house to have to even put him in the kennel. And he's kind of grown up and gotten pretty mature uh, about, uh, he doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, he just likes, he takes socks outside. And <laughs> as I was tilling the garden the other day, I found a sock collection. Oh, funny. Uh, but to his credit, they were uh, evenly spaced to allow room for growth. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling my dog's actually much cleverer than he appears. Okay, let me get back to your trip to the grocery store, just because I wanted to ask you this as well. When you bring your groceries home, do you wipe them down when you bring them in the house? Do you wipe down the packaging, or do you just unload them and put them in the fridge and wherever else you store food? I don't, and and um, okay, so and maybe this is one of the reasons why. So you, I don't know if you've noticed these disinfectant wipes happen to be pretty difficult to get a hold of, mm-hmm. uh, like the Clorox or the Lysol. Yeah. I, in fact, uh, I should be getting a text message any minute from my brother saying, "You, my friend, are the greatest human being that has ever walked." <laughs> on Earth. You sent him some of that stuff in California, didn't you? He can't get it. Yeah, right. He's in San Jose, you know, and he can't get wipes. He can't get Clorox. He can't get antibacterial soap. So I send him a care package because I care. Uh, but, you know, so you, you're limited. You know, they usually when they do have them on the, sh- on the shelves, you can maybe buy one. And so if you bring your groceries home and then you have to wipe everything down, you go and you open that one precious container of antibacterial wipes. And by the time you're done wiping down your groceries, you're out of wipes. So it completely defeats the purpose of having this. I've seen people, they they spend three hours wiping it down. I'm not knocking it. It's just not for me. And I, I maybe I'll get sick and they'll say, you should have wiped down those green beans. Yeah. Should wipe down beans. Well, the FDA said that there has been no confirmed reports or any evidence that it's possible to get coronavirus from food or food packaging. Now, they also go to say, go on to say that if you uh, would like to take some extra precautions, here's what you can do. So they seem to cover their base as well. Do you hold out this, you know, you always create these scripts in your head and uh, you're always the hero of your own script, of course. Of course that you will make a discovery and you'll say, I can't believe it. But it turns out that if you uh, open up your uh, banking app on your phone and wave it in front of you as you walk, it kills the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you ever think that they're going to make some simple discovery like, gosh, who would have ever thought that uh, all you had to do was, you know, uh, use the flash on your camera and that instantaneous bright light kills the coronavirus. Right. Uh, I'm hoping to make that discovery. Well, not, I, you know, I'm yeah. I'm cautious, but not this cautious. I don't wipe stuff down when I bring it in from the store because I grew up uh, drinking water out of a garden hose. So so did I. Yeah. By the way, and that garden hose had somebody's thumb in front of it <laughs> that had just been playing in mud. <laughs> you know what I'm talking and about, right? And the person that used it before you had their mouth around it. Yeah. 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 And the dog drank from it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> My dog could go into that hose laying there. And just... we're alive to tell this story. So that's got to be worth something. Patrick, let me take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Welcome to Monday. We'll be right back. We're the only two guys that want that song not interrupted. I know. I have been trying for months. Uh, it is extremely difficult to play. Great song, <laughs> yes. though. Turns out, turns out, if sometimes you're, you know, people are just, they're born with gifts. And do and you know how sometimes you have, you, there are things you have in your life that you go, well, I'm, that's just luck. That was a lucky thing. But you'd like to take credit saying, gosh, well, I really worked hard. Like, okay, I have... Um, I have two kids, right? And 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 we we've had these amazing experiences where I go, this is just luck. Like when both kids were just six weeks old, we were able to put them in their own rooms, in their own cribs, no crying, no complaining, none of that separation anxiety. They were like, we're great. See you tomorrow morning when you get up. Mm-hmm. That was just luck. And then both of them uh, at three months old, they spit out their pacifiers, never wanted a pacifier again. So we never had a like wean them off or deal with a crying baby that wanted the pacifier, never had to deal with it. Um, both kids, extremely lucky. And then both of them, age two, both kids solved cold fusion. And I just think that's luck. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are people with gifts. I have a friend who's obviously a famous uh, rock star, and he got a guitar when he was 11 at Christmas. And at the end of the day, he could play three songs on it. <laughs> and you go, there's some giftedness going on. I mean, it's, it's, uh, some people struggle for decades trying to learn songs on the banjo. I'm not talking about yeah. you right now, but well, maybe I am. We might be talking about, <laughs> well, I have a friend that can, I don't know how many instruments he plays, but I remember when he decided uh, to take up another instrument and to him, like he looks over, eh, okay, so you do this, you do this. It's, it's to him, it's like learning how to work a new toaster right. for you. You're going, okay, so that's the warm-up button, and that one is the browning button. Okay, got it. Okay, I'm a, I'm a ma- I've mastered this. That's how he approached the trumpet. Wow. It's like, okay, when you push this button, that's an A-flat. All right, I got it. Pretty much it. So do you and, have jealousy over those kinds of people? Because I know I have in the past felt that way. And, of course, all I do is probably insult God because what am I not happy with the gifts he's given me? Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's a true story, and I don't know who the players were in this story, but it was, you know, some accomplished pianist that supposedly after a Carnegie Hall concert, uh, somebody came up to him and said, I would give anything to play like you. And his response was, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> because you realize that, yeah, even though I know the guy you're talking about, he could play three songs at the end of the day. Well, he, they, he wasn't exactly a guitar virtuoso. That took years. Right. So you start with the raw talent and the years, and you say, well, you know, I didn't have the raw talent, nor did I have the dedication. So I used to be jealous. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm one of eight kids, and I'd like to think, you know, of all the kids, and this is where I was so much better than the rest of them. No sibling, <laughs> ri- no sibling rivalry for me. <laughs> None. Yeah. Yeah, made me better. That's why mom and dad liked me best. Uh, no, it's... it's uh, 
we, we never really had overt signs of it. But then you sometimes you realize as you get older, when somebody's, you know, uh, having a tremendous level of success, you're like, oh, no, am I the problem child? And every family's got one. Is it me? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so then, you say, well, that's healthy. Yeah. And then if you do something you love and you continue to do it and enjoy it throughout your whole life, it shouldn't really matter. I mean, at that point, uh, I always think of the great cellist Pablo Casals, who when he was 86 years old, was still practicing six hours a day, his cello. Somebody said to him, Mr. Casals, you're 86. Why are you practicing six hours a day? And he said, because I think I'm getting better. And you know what? He probably was. He probably was. He probably yeah, it's, was. Uh, and it's nice to be able to, you know, uh, as you get older, set aside not only just the jealousies, but then d- delve into, evolve into full appreciation of people like that and uh, watching like a, a banjo banjo virtuoso like a Bela Fleck and say, wow, I just, I sit in awe and not only am I not jealous, I am so grateful that you exist. Mm-hmm. I, it's, and, and in a way it's, it's funny how, um, I mean, you can meet your heroes in life. It can be intimidating. You know, sometimes it's intimidating to be around accomplished people. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, last year when Steve Martin and Martin Short were here in Des Moines doing their show, I was tasked with picking up Steve Martin from the airport and I had to drive him around and do, uh, errands for the day. And, uh, so I pick him up and, you know, hardly a, a word is spoken in the hours that we spend together. And I'm thinking, gosh, Steve, no need to be intimidated by me. I'm approachable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There he was, you know, so. He's just I know dying that- to get a selfie with you and he just didn't have the courage to ask. Didn't have the courage to ask, and I would have done it. I know you would have, because that's the kind of guy you are. Yeah, I mean, for a fee, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it is nice to to get to the appreciative state, and and maybe some of that comes with, you know, understanding, you know, the part of God's plan is, you know, I've divvied up gifts all over the place, some for you to uh, partake of, uh, you know, to to practice and to uh, share with other people, and others for you to enjoy. Mm Hmm. That other people have. And if you can't learn to enjoy what somebody else has a gift for, then you probably won't be able to enjoy sharing your gift. Yeah. I mean, I know the, the great French mime, Marcel Marceau, when he got older and couldn't move as well, he could still get more out of movement than than practically anybody because he was just so, so good. Is that when he started talking during the NFL? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what just got easier just to talk. It just got, he's like, you know, somebody should explain what's going on here. I'm yeah. walking, I'm inside of a box, walking yeah. against the wind, and I'm leaning on a, a ledge. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I have to explain it. I'm not yeah. going to talk. That's, mind. that's probably what made the difference. All right, you had another friend that was talking about uh, we're all in the same boat, and I thought, I thought that was an interesting comment. Yes. Okay, so, uh, you know, I th- and I think this is, um, for me, I, I would have to say this person— it, the way he phrased it, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, I'll try to give you the exact phrasing. Um, he's, he was talking about the coronavirus and, you know, a lot of us that are independent people uh, that didn't have an employer or maybe didn't work for the government have various levels of difficulties with it. But he was saying, he goes, you know, I'm tired of hearing people say we're all in the same boat. We're not. Actually, what we are is we are all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. Some of us have big boats. Some of us have safer boats. Some of us are in small boats. Some of us have fallen out of the boat. Some of the, the boats capsized and gone down, and we're struggling to hang on because we're in 
a terrible storm and certain boats weather the storm better. And, and I thought that's just a, a much better analogy. And so instead of just looking at maybe your fellow man and saying, well, we're all in this together, we're all in the same boat, say, no, you know, some people are struggling more. You know, I might be struggling, but somebody might be struggling more than me. Where can I help? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right, Patrick, we've got a couple of listeners jump in. I'll pass on some of the comments, which I love, by the way. Maria said, uh, by the way, my cats always wanted me home. They hated when I left. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And my wingman, Terry, said, um, I find it it's peculiar in some states you can buy uh, marijuana um, because that's deemed essential, but you can't buy seed. You're not able to plant a flower or vegetable garden. You probably couldn't plant the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Interesting, yeah. And Tim said, put a little bleach in a shallow sink filled with water and wipe food packaging down and wash fruits and vegetables. Then everything is clean and you don't have to wash the tomatoes when you grab them uh, for your sandwich because you're, you've already, already disinfected everything. Wow. Yeah. And Lynn said, uh, our family of 12, 10 kids all drank from the same tin cup, which hung on the pump in the front yard. I never saw that cup, that cup get washed ever. Oops. <laughs> well, it was by a hose. It was getting washed constantly. Yes. I mean, <laughs> constantly getting rinsed out. Constantly getting rinsed out. That wasn't that good enough? You know, that's it. I got the rinse down. Yeah. I. I, we, have you discovered that 20 seconds is a lot longer than you thought it was? It's a long time. It's a long time to wash your hands. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, well, I'm one of eight kids and we drank out of the same hose and we fought over the same cup. You know, if we were lucky enough to remember the gas stations would give away certain things and they might have the Scooby-Doo collection coming through. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm drinking out of the shaggy cup. No, no, I got the shaggy cup. Dibs. I called it first. I'm sure you had those uh, discussions when you were a kid. Uh, indeed. And it was the time when you would go to get gas and they would come out and fill up your gas and then they would uh, check your oil, wash your windows, and then say, boy, you filled your tank, so we're going to give you a free eight-ounce tumbler to take home. Yeah, yeah. We had a great set of silverware that we used for years and the handles was metal like the spoon would be metal and then there was a wood inlay a wood inlay in the in the handle portion of it, and my mom just loved them. She just, they, boy, I think it was if one got lost, she says, "Oh, the good spoons, the good spoons." <laughs> it came from <laughs> from Marathon gas station yeah. for a tank of gas. And then boy, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know who the genius was at Smuckers that said, "After you're done with the jar of jam, you can use it as a cup." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny, but why do people buy mason jars when you go, everything you buy is in a jar? Just <laughs> save the jars. <laughs> uh, well, that's for canning. That's for vacuum-sealed canning. We know so little. Patrick, thanks so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. You, Have a marvelous week. You bet. I will talk to you next week, Lord willing. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break. When we come back, it's going to be the Monday afternoon mix with Miles, Arnold, and Maxwell. We'll be right back.
Feels like the right music for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Rebecca, welcome. Hi, Bill. Nice to be here. I like the music. <laughs> no, I do too. Kind of groovy. David Miles, welcome. Okay. There you go, David. Ooh, I know I can hear that. <laughs> jazzy. Yeah, it's kind of the mid-afternoon mix for Monday. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing well. Um you know, beautiful weather out there yeah. and, uh, you know, great opportunity to connect with people in our listening audience and Indeed. just open up God's word and praying that they're doing well and, and just praying for a number of our first responders and for wisdom for our leaders and a number of different things like that. But grateful that mm-hmm. we have community, which is common unity, and our unity is in Christ. Amen to that. So let's talk a little bit about some Good reminders. Let's uh, be checking in on the widow and the orphan and the marginalized. I know you uh, told me just off um, off air that you had recently sent a handwritten note to somebody, and what a what a game changer that will be for that person when they receive it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some simple things that we can do now. Granted, um, right now is not a good time for us to, you know, visit. So script, scripture would say, like in James one twenty seven religion that's pure and undefiled before God, the Father's this, to visit the orphan and widow and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, right now with social distancing, it's not, you know, the best time to visit. Um, just that's a way of loving um, our widows and our widowers and our elderly is to understand um, their, their systems and, and to be loving and protecting them in that way. But sending a card um, guys, I can think like most mail that people get is either bills, junk mail, or solicitation for their money in one shape, form, or another. So how sweet it is to get a handwritten note from someone. We are all in full agreement on this end. Yeah, that's one been one of the most encouraging things for us in just in a situation where my husband was in the hospital for an extended period of time and to you know, to not be able to have people come and visit in a difficult time is very unusual. Um and you don't really like it. <laughs> it exacerbates isolation. But then to get the just the sweet and heartfelt notes of encouragement in the mail and and pictures and just really nice things from relatives, from fellow Christians and people we didn't necessarily even know super well that just wanted to say that they were praying for us. So that means so much. Yeah. Well, just a good reminder. All right, David, Rebecca, let's jump into the Word of God here a little bit. In Luke chapter 18, uh, it says, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Then in verse 34, it says, The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Do you have any insight on that, Pastor? Well, you know, um, 
I would say like sometimes God allows there to to be like spiritual amnesia, and uh, and I'm trying to remember who it was that I, that I had heard mention this. I, I want to say that it was uh, I want to say it was Pastor Ralph West from Church Without Walls in in Houston, Texas. Um, but it, it's along the notes of this, and it goes going to after Jesus uh, was crucified and talks about how the women go to the tomb. Mm-hmm. And, and on the way to the tomb, it's not until they're on the way to the tomb that they're getting there that they ask themselves, wow, you know, who's going to actually roll away the stone, you know, so that we can do that? Because tombs were, they had a, a stone rolled over them. Those were fairly heavy. And so the gals were, they're, they're en route. And it's at that point that they're like, hey, you know, who's going to do this? Um, and the person had noted that sometimes God allows us to have kind of a spiritual amnesia. And these two, that it wasn't until they're well into their journey that the realization of the need comes to mind. Because you know how that is sometimes is that if you say to yourself, if I would have knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't have left the house. <laughs> Good point. And I wouldn't have taken that first step. But for the gal, for the women on the way to the tomb, it's not until they're well into their journey that comes to mind to say, hey, who's going to roll away, roll away the stone? And here's the interesting thing. While they were worried about it, while they were questioning it, while they were fretting about it, God had already provided a remedy to roll the stone back for them. And so sometimes we'll stress about things that God has already answered. We just haven't made the bank of the corner to see that he's already done what he said he was going to do That's and good, so good word yeah so sometimes god in his his uh in his mercy and his grace and in his wisdom sometimes it does not tell us the whole story um ahead of time mm-hmm. another comforting verse i was reading was john chapter 10 verse 28 i give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. Rebecca, you can jump That's in on that really one too if you want. Yeah, Rebecca. I'd love to hear Rebecca jump in on this. <laughs> sure. Well, like you said, it's it's an incredibly comforting and reassuring thought. The word, um, just because of the, the difficulties that seem to be coming our way as a family, I've been thinking about the term perseverance an awful lot. And I know, David, you've talked about this with great eloquence in the past, um, perseverance and patience. And so when, you, when you're going through a hard time and things are not what you expect them to be, and, and God says, keep going, we tend to think, oh, well, this is about me and about my striving and my struggling to just do it well enough and be good enough. But I think going back to God's reassurance in the Bible here in great, great example in John 10, what this makes me again realize anew is that this is a gift from God, that God has done more than than I could ever in my meager efforts hope to accomplish. And it is through him and through his power that we can stand and persevere. And God's gift of eternal life 
I mean, that means more than any suffering that we would go through in this world. So that is is how and why we persevere. It's not, I guess, pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps through discovering some grit that we didn't know we had, but it's through recognizing the all-powerful and all-faithful promise of God. He's, he's already done the work. And he grants us life eternal, and we shall never perish if we are in the hand of God. Nothing can take us out of his hand. Some versions say no man, some say nothing, some say no thing can take you out of God's hand. And if that's the case, then there's nothing to be afraid of, really. You guys in your fancy wordplay. (laughs) If it's not David, it's Rebecca with the fancy wordplay. I love it. I love it. You know, rubbing off of one another and encouraging and spurring one another on. And and as Rebecca said, you know, us not needing to fear because our ultimate fear is death, but Christ has solved our ultimate fear in the cross and the resurrection. And with that, um, that's why us needing to live wisely in the times that we're in and not being tossed to and fro. Because like, you know, one of the one of the chief um, you know things that happens now is the whole issue of fear, and one of the things is that fear gets used in so many different ways to scare you about the other person or to scare you about the unknown. You know, and it's it's that that song we sing. You know, um, we know who holds the future. You know, and and not allowing ourselves to be tossed in so many different ways and almost live like theological Christian, but practical atheist. And we're sitting here um, allowing ourselves to be tossed by the news and, and, and concerned about stuff. I mean, like, here's the thing. Jesus said, in this world, you would have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Matter of fact, Jesus says, you know, not if you're persecuted, he says, when you're persecuted. Mm-hmm. You know, and so actually, and we talk about this sometimes in mission, that the the blood of the saints is the seed of revival, and that part of knowing Jesus, Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. So I think even sometimes when we're trying to manufacture or put things in place to kind of protect things, we, we don't have to do that because God has already protected us. And almost think about sometimes when we allow fear to overrun us and we're like, hey, God, guess what? Yeah, you hold the entire world together, but I'm going to put my trust in this person to really protect me from the things that, wait a minute, you protect me for. And God's like, let me get this right. I actually make it possible for that person to live, move, breathe, and have being. And through a process of laminin, which is the thing that holds all things together at a very you know, molecular level that looks like a cross, um, I'm letting that person that you're wanting to trust in uh, actually live and have existence. And at the same time, you're not wanting to fully trust me. And that's why God would remind them, don't trust in chariots, don't trust in horses, don't trust in the Assyrians, trust in me. And know that no matter what happens, I have you covered. You have to remember, Jesus came why Israel was underneath Roman colonization. They were being oppressed. They were being persecuted. They were a marginalized people. And that's the moment that Galatians says that God sent his son into the world at the right time. And so I think as Rebecca's talking about us not nearing to fear um, being snatched from the father's hand, we 
can also not allow ourselves to be thrown back and forth over fear of circumstances, fear of loss, and fear of other people. Well said, David. Um, I don't remember a time that there has been so much death in the headlines. Maybe there's somebody that uh, is listening that remembers uh, World War II, what was going on, the news at night, what were you reading about, was it death, 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 or or not? So when I read so much death, David, I think there are souls going into eternity every day. I see the numbers, and I think to myself, nothing matters except where you're going to be spending your eternity. And it doesn't, it creates in me a sense of urgency that we have to, I have to do everything I can to make sure people I know and people I love know about Jesus. Yeah, I think it's one of the most loving things that we can do is to share the gospel. And uh, I remember there was a video by um, Jilliot Penn, you know, of the group Penn and Teller. And uh, he's, he's a comic, well-known well comic of the day, and he had this video. And, and he shares about after one, of his sto- after one of his shows, this guy comes up, starts talking with him. And just says, you know, and just asks him about Christ and his relationship and gives him a Bible and says he'd pray for him. And it's interesting is, you know, uh, Penn is just so blown away that this guy did this. And he just did it very respectfully and just honestly. And, and he said, he goes, I'm an atheist. He goes, but if you really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, how much do you have to hate a person not to tell them that? Right. So funny you bring that up, David. I just sent that video to all the guys in my Bible study last week. Is that a that's a powerful video, and and it's a good it's a good question. It's it's a great question. And going back to fear, sometimes people say, "Well, I don't want to tell someone that I'm a believer because I I want to establish a relationship, and I don't want to ruin the relationship." And then they'll go along for a long period of time, and they'll say, "Well, I don't want to tell them I'm a believer because I don't want to ruin the relationship." Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is the most important thing, and you don't want to ruin the relationship by telling them about the most important thing and let them, you know, um, interact with Christ. I think we lost David temporarily. Now is as good a time as any to take a short break and we'll get him reconnected. It is the Monday afternoon mix. Miles Arnold and Maxwell will be right back. Back with the Monday afternoon mix, Miles Arnold Maxwell. Rebecca, you had a question. You had something you wanted to bring up, and we're completely open to that. Rebe- Did I? Rebellion. <laughs> you just oh, said it to me. Well, I, you I just said it to me a second ago. Yes, I was listening to um, Colin Smith, who we love, and he's doing a series right now on what to do with people who um, are not in open rebellion against God, but they've tasted a little bit of the gospel and turned away. And that could be, you know, a a whole bunch of different situations, but someone who fits in that category, they believe they know the truth or they've had a tiny taste of the gospel and then they 
they turn away and they say, you know what, I don't think this is for me anymore. Um, and so that's that's a really interesting question. And, and David, I know you've been a pastor for several years, and so you are probably um, you've probably had those kinds of conversations before. So I'd be interested to hear um, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's interesting to bringing that up. We touched on this a little bit last week um, when we were in Second Timothy, and you know, twenty two two twenty two. Flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, love, faith, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, and then have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, for you know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. So that's the first part, not merely being quarrelsome with the person, but be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And this is a part for that person. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the evil one after being captured by him to do his will. And I, I think for us, remembering that this truly is, this is a spiritual battle uh, that's going on uh, for the hearts and souls of man. And, you know, when you look at a, uh, another passage like um, in Second uh, Corinthians, it says, you know, that the God of this world uh, has blinded the mind um, of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Um, and so, you know, continue to pray and, and to present truth to that individual and be open for conversations with them and say, God, would you work and move um, in this person's life in such a way to bring them to a knowledge of your son and of the truth of the gospel. It's a great prayer. And it's something, if we think about people on our list, we could probably each come up with a whole bunch of names. People that we know are struggling and they're in rebellion and they just think we're a little nutso, which we are. Yeah. We're good nutso. And First John 3 talks about, um, and it's, it's really wild to find this coupled together in this way. It says, see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And it goes on to say that the reason why those, John would say the reason why those didn't stay is because they were never a part of us. So having the illusion of salvation, you know, thinking that salvation is just, hey, I keep a few, you know, rules and, um, you know, I came to Jesus just to have a better life, um, you know, or I go to church, uh, and those are very good things. And I'll say, you know, going to church is a good thing um, to be in the community of the saints, but sitting in a church no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a car makes you, sitting in a garage makes you a car. And I mean, you can sit there and say, I'm a Volvo, I'm a Volvo, but you're not a car. Mm-hmm. And so God wants us to actually have a relationship with those. And part of that relationship isn't like God's this big bearded grandfather. It's the idea that we were rebellious sinners. And as Ephesians says, that by nature, we were objects of wrath, understanding that God is holy and sin is really sin, and that Jesus rescued us, that he saved us, that he paid the penalty of our death. And it wasn't that we just had idiosyncrasies. We had sin that separated us from a holy and perfect God. And we're not doing things to be saved. 
It's out of gratitude that God has paid such an enormous penalty for us that we can't help but love and serve him and his purposes. Well said. I like that. All right, let's jump over to Romans chapter 12, a chapter I love. And it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I think of what you just said, David. Pray for people. Ask God to bring into this discussion, conversation, uh, truth, and open their eyes so they may see the truth. And that uh, requires a little bit of zeal. Stay on, stay on top of your relationships. Pray about them. And then initiate and expect the Holy Spirit to do the work that you've been praying for. Well, Bill, you know, you, you brought something earlier up because we opened up talking about widows and orphans um, and those marginalized. And, you know, there was something, and I, I want you to share with the audience uh, what you said about the deaths that are happening around COVID-19 and how many related to, to our elderly. Well, if we talk about the state of Minnesota, now we're on a big network with a lot of people listening all over the country, but in the state of Minnesota, I think there's been 144 or 146 deaths at this point, 97 of which have been in assisted living and nursing homes. So there's a lot of people who are uh, elderly, who are marginalized, who are isolated. And I was talking to a friend whose uh, you know, mom has not moved out of the room in five weeks and she, you know, likes her little walks down the hall. So that gets to be awfully tough, too, because you can't uh, be reaching out and serving people at a time. But that is a marginalized group of people who are missing the company. They're missing the kids and the grandkids. They're missing activities and they're missing just being in their own community and being social. So, yeah, it's a really a tough place to be. Yeah, and I think one one important thing with that is this is a perfect time out of love to our seniors to share the gospel with them. Um, you know, it's interesting, the stories that I've heard of individuals where, like, I remember one dear, dear brother who was a pastor to a senior's population, and we had a person who was in the hospital. They were 93 years old, and this person sat with them and said, you know, said their name, said, hey, you know, are you at a place where you have a relationship with 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 the Lord and know where you're going to go? And the person's like, no. And he started sharing with him about the gospel. And he's like, you've never asked the Lord in your life? He's like, no. He goes, why not? No one ever really told me to. And I know that seems really astonishing to us that that could happen. But there are a number of times where people who are older have gone through kind of the religiously acceptable things, but have not come to saving faith mm-hmm. uh, in Christ. So I think it's important for us to share, due to even what you're, just period, but also, Bill, as you're saying, a number of people in senior populations right now are crossing over to meet the Lord face-to-face and to account uh, for their lives before Him. And so I think, just to encourage the audience, if, if you have a parent or a grandparent you know, or a loved one, feel free. Actually take and make the opportunity uh, to share with them. And don't let age be an issue. Um, because I remember meeting one guy one time at a church that I shared, that I served at. And he was coming to church and he was loving the service. And I was kind of like, 
you know, so how did you come to faith in Christ? And he goes, my daughter led me to Christ. Oh, wow. I said, what? And he goes, yeah, my eight-year-old daughter, I would go to Juana and then come home on Wednesdays and tell her dad about it. And then she's like, daddy, you need to trust Jesus. And that's how this man came to faith in Christ. So don't let age be an issue. But the time is right right now with so many seniors actually, as Bill said, experience the impact of COVID. Um, let, even as Bill said earlier, let the urgency of the moment spur you to say, I love you enough to want to ask you this question about Christ. Yeah. Great reminder, David. I appreciate I appreciate uh, you coming on the show Mondays. I know I'm starting to hear from a lot of listeners that really like this time with you. They always learn something. They like your tone. They like your gentle spirit. And you're always so affirming. And that um, that's being heard and read and understood by the audience. So thank you. Well, thank you, Bill. I really appreciate being on. And just again, as we as we close, nine out of 10 wives will spend some portion of their lives in widowhood at some point. And so just pause for a moment and reach out and love someone today, be it a written card or a phone call or something. Love them. Wow. Thanks, David. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next Monday as will Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Bill. God bless you. All right. That wraps up hour one. Pastor David Miles has been our guest this hour for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell coming up in hour two. Dawson Muska. Does that last name sound familiar? I think it should sound familiar. And then George Barna is going to be joining me. That's all ahead coming up in hour two. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.